Coming up right now, the newest episode from Carr, Gwyn, and Ode on Three Pagans and a Cat. There is nothing so secular that it cannot be sacred, and that is one of the deepest messages of the Incarnation. Welcome to First Steps Sacred Spaces, the 21st episode of Three Pagans and a Cat. Our opening today is courtesy of 20th century fiction writer Madeline Langell. You may call me Ode. You can call me Carr. I'm Ode's father. Mary Meet. My name is Gwyn, Ode's mother. And if we sound strange this week, <laughs> it's because we are in a new recording location, which sounds super echoey to me. So, how this turns out in the final edit remains to be seen. We haven't had an opportunity to do any like testing yeah. and test out our editing in this location because we just got the computer set up today. <laughs> yep. Literally, literally a few hours ago. Yeah. So, listeners, you may remember that we were moving like two weeks ago, right after basically we recorded our. Our last episode. Uh-huh. So three weeks three ago. Weeks so three ago. weeks ago. And things didn't go according to plan. No, not, not even, even close. close. Yeah. <laughs> and it's still being a challenge. It's, we're still working on it. We're still basically <laughs> without furniture. Yeah. <laughs> we we just got most of the carpets in, finally. All, all of the vinyl. All the vinyls all the vinyl. in. Most of the carpets in. It's not tacked down everywhere. <laughs> and um, all of our furniture is living at a storage place. Right. It's in a storage location because we don't want to bring it in here until the carpet's, like, done. 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 Yeah. Otherwise, we'll just tear it up, and that will be a disaster. And a lot of repair work had to be done uh-huh. on the house itself. Yeah, it wasn't... Yeah. And cleaning, which just, Odin and yeah. I have been doing the past week. It just wasn't ready for it us, basically. Ready. The the contractor who told us he would be done wasn't, and then he gave us another date that he would be done, and, and it, it still wasn't. wasn't, and finally we just said, go away, and we'll yeah, handle we it from him. here. Yeah, fired him. <laughs> and we're still trying to sort of sort through the mess. But we're getting there. I think yeah. by the end of this week, I, yeah, I we will we'll actually finally... be moved into our new home. <laughs> the good news is that we're also recording next Sunday right. for yes. the sound yes. episode. So we missed our recording last week. Right. Yep. Which we warned you guys about. Because of the situation, we were in here. There was no carpet on the floor, so it would have been even more echoey. We couldn't bring any of our furniture or our recording equipment in because the house was not ready to we have any of that in it. have sat in this room. No. 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 There was oh, a no. smell experience happening in the recording room. <laughs> which we have spent the last week combating and it's fine now but it did take a week yes, so did. we couldn't record last week and consequently we had to delay until this week as a result you're going to be getting an episode next week as well so, yep. that, we can get, so that we can get back on schedule and that's yep. going to be our Samhain episode I'm so excited I'm really looking forward I know, to that so episode am I. but I'm looking but forward to but this episode I've been looking forward to this episode a lot too this is the next in our first step series last episode we covered grounding centering and shielding mm-hmm. this episode we're going to be covering sacred spaces in this series we just sort of go into the the nittier grittier details of some of these concepts mm-hmm. that are very common in many paths and traditions in paganism but which are frequently just sort of assumed knowledge and right. don't get a lot of mm-hmm. explication so mm-hmm. we're trying to sort of unveil some of these things which is good for me because i don't know any of them anyway exactly works out well it works well um, so the good news is though with this move mm-hmm. is that gwen is no longer working a full-time job that's mm-hmm. true and i have time so, to de- dedicate to this podcast right yeah so gwen and ode will be spending the majority of their time working on the podcast mm-hmm. and they're both currently reading doing readings for people at arts and craft in hartford michigan yep so gwen is on sundays from one to five yep. and Ode is on Thursdays from noon to five. Yes, from noon to five. I have not started at Arts and Craft yet. I will be starting the eighteenth, I believe. Because, That's because because I'm I'm gonna be doing Thursday 
readings, tarot readings at Arts and Craft, but this upcoming Thursday, the 11th, is The Witch's Tea in Flint, which Gwyn and I already had an obligation to attend as readers. That's right. So I won't be able to start to Arts and Craft until the week following that. But if you're in the area, please come and visit us. We would love to meet you, greet mm-hmm. you, do a reading for you if you yep. so choose. Today was my first day. I really enjoyed it. I was honored to be able to use the reading room, which is beautiful, mm-hmm. at Arts and Craft. And that some people wanted you know, readings, right, wanted came readings in and got readings you know, and you, trusted yeah. me because it really comes down to trusting someone to do a reading for mm-hmm. you. Yeah. So yeah. I appreciated it. And you all will also be available via Skype for people who can't make it to our location in Michigan. That's right. Yep. To be able to do Skype readings so yep. that they can do that. And if you go on our website and look under, I believe it's services. Services. Yep. Uh, you can find those services listed there, except for Odes, which will be up in a little while. Yeah, my, I haven't been offering services until just now. So. Right, yep. So. You can also find my services located on Facebook at Gwyn of Three Pagans and a Cat, where you can actually schedule services with me on Facebook. I don't go. have that because... Man, do I hate Facebook. <laughs> as over as anyone in our in our group is probably aware by the fact of my extremely infrequent presence there. Yeah, that, that would probably be. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Since it's the first one of this month, should I take care of uh, reading? Yes, we yeah. have our wonderful patrons. We have a bunch of lovely patrons yep. who support us every month. Which we, we so appreciate. You have no idea how much you help us. Mm-hmm. Yes. We have seven kittens okay. whose names we don't read. But, but we, we love do love them. Yeah. I mean, doesn't everyone really love kittens? Kittens. I mean, come on. Everybody loves kittens. Car's <laughs> making a face. Even you, But Car, he has loved, loved kittens. kittens in the past. He's loved my kitten, Gabriel, who I was could, the best I kitten. I could name Flynn and Shadow, who is our, our um, mascot. mascot for this podcast. And so. someday we'll have a future kitten. He's still giving us a look. All right, He's continue, continue. All right. All right. Our cats are Amy Scholes, Aaron Mal, Gary Bearstorm, Kay Kremer, and Susan DeHaan. All excellent names, you guys. Good job. We do love those. Our hunters are Charles Howison, Carly, Kara Teagarden, Lorelai, Stevie Thomason, Tally Kazoyle Thompson, and Vex Arcana. Also primo quality names. I'm <laughs> glad you're happy with everybody's names. Uh, we do have a tiger. Mm-hmm. That's Akaneko. Mm-hmm. Yay. Who we have met in person. Yes, yes. we have. Kind of cool. so, and also helped, helped us move. move. Yes. Yeah. Which was great. Really appreciate Echo. Thank you. And our Jaguar is Justin Stanage. <laughs> and that's all of who's, our patrons. Who's probably used to that treatment by probably, now. Yeah. We've so, also met Justin in person. Yes, yes we, we have, did. Yeah. We love Justin. Great. Yeah. Um, thank great. you guys so much for helping us out and sponsoring this podcast. It's kind of help us eliminate the echo in this room. Hopefully, right. eventually. Yeah. Event, yeah, eventually we'll be able to get, A, the sound shields we need so that we can use the three mics that we do actually have now. Right. B, get some soundproofing in this room so that it doesn't sound like this forever. Right. So if you want to help us mm-hmm. keep this podcast not only going, but, but improving. improving, you can support us on Patreon. Exactly. And you can find that link actually on every episode. Yep. Or... On our Facebook page. That's right. Yep. And our website. website. Yeah, it's on the main page of the website. Yeah. Yep. Just so. look for it. You'll find it. Yep. So, sacred spaces. That's, yep. that's the topic yeah. for this week. Yep. It's one of those, again, like very commonly referenced mm-hmm. concepts. Often at the start of a ritual, it will just say like cast a circle or call the quarters or something like that. Mm-hmm. And it will never explain what that is supposed to actually look like, what you're supposed to actually do there. So, that's why... 
I, especially as a when I was younger, was very frustrated by things like this. It was just assumed that I would have absorbed this information osmotically right. somehow. Right. But because my mother thought I was too young for witchcraft, I didn't have access to all the information, and I didn't have, like, like the internet wasn't as accessible Prevalent. then. Yeah. If so. I could do things different now, <laughs> I would have trained you right as soon as I knew you had an interest. However, I... You were cautious. was cautious. I was coming out of a organized Abrahamic religion and still had my own issues that mm-hmm. I was dealing with. Baggage. Yeah. Baggage. 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 <laughs> that was a good one. <laughs> that was good. Good job, uh, stereo system. Right, if you continue. ever if you ever meet us in person, you'll note that Gwyn and I do this a lot. We have, we don't do it very often no. on the podcast, but no. in person we do the the stereo like mind reading thing frequently. Yep. And everything's not a music reference, or we don't just end up I know I know randomly singing or, or, except for me. or quoting movies. Right. Yeah. We actually keep it together on the podcast. In person, in person, we're just a mess of pop culture references. <laughs> that is true. That is very true. All right. Okay. Focus in. Okay. Focus. Focus, focus up. Sacred space. Sacred Space, sacred space. Eventually, this podcast room will be sacred space. That's right. Right. Yeah, because the podcast room is going to be a multi-purpose room. We're going to do readings here, do meditations here. Yep. So we're going to have to dedicate this space. Yes. In an assortment of ways. That's right. Yeah. But first, I maybe maybe we should talk about what we've done for the house mm-hmm. because Gwen and I did a general house clearing and sort of space setting. Mm. So you so you wanted to get rid of the guy I fired? Yes, yeah, that. Yeah. We totally that wanted was to a, do an that. important component, yeah. Absolutely. And we really had limited supplies cuz most of our most stuff, of our stuff was all packed boxes, up. Yeah. But thankfully, we found my apothecary uh-huh. and pulled all that out and got that into the cupboards and so we got some sage and yep. we got Palo Santo. Palo Santo and, and sweetgrass. Sweetgrass. And we went a sweetgrass braid that we've had for a long time. You guys got it at a, at a powwow, powwow two years yeah, ago. Yeah. And I, it was a long braid, mm-hmm. and I'm down to about a quarter of it now. Yeah. But it's been wonderful. And what we did is we started at one of the entryways, mm-hmm. and we had the smoking going on. Yep. And we just walked the perimeter. Yep, made um, a circuit. Made a full a circuit, circuit of the house. All the exterior walls and windows. The and windows, the closets, everywhere. Mm-hmm. Just cleansing the space. Which is the first step to making a sacred space. Yes, it is. A sacred space is it's really just a place. It doesn't even have to necessarily be a physical space. Mm-hmm. It could be something that you carry with you, like a tidal wave that just ebbs and flows around mm-hmm. your feet. But a sacred space is a place where you do work. Exactly. Sacred work. Yep. Okay. So, I think of a sacred space as being like Stonehenge mm-hmm. or Angkor Wat or Newgrange. Monuments. Or Monuments. the Pyramid of Egypt, Machu mm-hmm. Picchu, those right. kind of things as being sacred spaces. Mm-hmm. And they are. They are, right. absolutely. Those are very big, grand, dramatic monuments exactly. of sacred space. Okay. What would then be a personal sacred space? It can vary. My room is usually a sacred space to various degrees. Places in my room, mm-hmm. in front of my altars especially, are very specifically defined sacred spaces. And then, like I was saying, if you are skilled with working with energy, with your own personal shields mm-hmm. and grounding and centering, like we talked about last episode, you should and probably will be able to create a sort of localized sacred space just Basically, around yourself. Yeah, wherever you go can become a sacred space if you know how to set your shields and intentions. Set your shields and your intentions. For me, my plants in our previous home, the balcony where I kept my plants, right. that was a sacred space because I worked with plants out there. My altar that was dedicated to witchcraft, mm-hmm. that was a sacred space for me. Also, okay. the little section of the family altar that 
that had my mm-hmm. brigand. So I can see swan. the ability yeah. to make an altar into a sacred space. Right. Mm-hmm. And I can see the ability to make a temporary sacred space somewhere if you need it. Right. Okay, how do you take a sacred space with you with it wherever you go? Okay. Because that one I don't get. Okay, do you mean like like those little matchbox altars and little like mint tin oh, altars? Because I mean, that's, that's one way. That. Right, okay. That's, right. that's yeah. one way, especially okay. if you need a physical, tangible thing to be your sacred space. Which right. I think are very clever, and I'm starting to see them more and more mm-hmm. at pagan stores They've gotten online. very popular, yeah. Yeah, they're very popular. They can be very small and very portable. And, and stealthy. Stealthy. Yeah. Right. But even if you don't have like the physical sacred mm-hmm. space thing, we talked about shielding last episode and I mm-hmm. talked about how I extend my mantle and create a shield with it. Right. right. Yeah. There's an argument to be made that everything inside that shield is a sacred space. It's a space I have dedicated to myself for my work and made safe. Okay. Mm-hmm. How I usually visualize it is, have you ever stepped in a puddle and just like stood in the middle of it and watched the ripples spread out from your feet? No, but I've seen other people do it. Okay, I've done that because I'm that person. (laughs) I wasn't allowed to. And how I visualize sort of a personal sacred space that's just sort of tied to me, to my physical location, Mm -hmm. is just that the fabric of reality ripples where I step. And inside the boundaries of my shield is the puddle of my sacred space. Mm -hmm. Okay, so question. I think it was yesterday. Yeah, yesterday Mm -hmm. we went to Benton Harbor and just ran around a bunch of stores. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Looking for brick or back to eventually put into the home. Yep. Mm -hmm. So was your sacred space with you then? It could have been. It actually wasn't in that moment, but I did have it active in the car. So we drove around a little bit and we were driving through a part of Southwest... Michigan that I wasn't familiar with, and I was sort of getting a feel on the land out there and enjoying the space Mm -hmm. through the window. And I extended, I rooted, I rooted Mm -hmm. down Mm -hmm. to get a feel on the earth there. Mm -hmm. And we were moving, we were in a car. Mm -hmm. Right. My roots moved with me, my sacred space, my personal protected bubble of self moved with me as the car was moving because it's not attached to a physical thing. It's attached to me. And like, for instance, when I walk outside, I can put my feet in the ground, stop, and just open myself to nature, to the earth, to listening to the wind. And for me, that becomes a sacred space. Ode and I went to Lake Michigan mm-hmm. in St. Joseph a week ago, I think, two weeks. two weeks ago, and sitting on the beach, meditating, listening to the water that became a sacred space for me. I really do believe it depends on, for me, It a lot of times it depends on intention and what's going on at the time. Now I'm curious. I always visualize a sacred space as having very clearly defined borders. Mm -hmm. Do you do that? Or to you, does it just become like an expanse of sacredness until you stop thinking about it? Yeah, pretty much. Okay. And I wonder if that's just a difference between our personalities or a difference between our paths. Heathen Reed does have like a focus on inner and outer layers. And I wonder if that contributes to my focus on very rigidly defined sacred spaces. Right. Probably. And because I am an eclectic witch. Mm-hmm. So for me, it really does, it's defined by me. Right. So sometimes I cast a circle. If I'm doing a specific working, do meditation or to do casting or right. any kind of work. I'll create a sacred space by casting a circle. But as I said, because I'm a green witch, just walking out into nature, that becomes sacred space to me, especially when my intentions are focused and the, on And that. the space just becomes sacred in a sort of an undirected swath out mm-hmm. until it stops being inside of your sort of exactly. purview. 
Exactly. Interesting. My understanding of the sacred space would be like, you would need to cleanse the area, energize it, open a portal, that kind of a right, thing. Right, the whole the, the whole, system the of... The whole system of that thing. Right. So you don't need to do that? I think it varies from tradition to tradition. It does. I think it varies from tradition to tradition, but I also think it varies from person to person. As an eclectic witch, I don't have to have all that rigid specific boundaries all the time. Sometimes I do. A lot of times it depends on the work that I'm doing. Sometimes I just don't. Sometimes when I'm putting up, so I I mentioned I think of sacred spaces as having very defined borders. Right. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean that those borders are necessarily non-permeable. Sometimes I deliberately set the edges of my sacred space to permit the entrance of certain spirits. Mm -hmm. Right. So, for instance, when I was doing my reading today, I went into the reading room because I'd never been in there before. Mm -hmm. I wanted to get to know the space a little bit. Beautiful space. But I did set it up as a sacred space for spirits to enter. Even though I wasn't in there the whole time, went in and out, Mm -hmm. people came in with me and left. Right. But I set that up for the time that I was going to be occupying it from one to five. That was a sacred space for me to enter and for spirit to enter and interact with me. Gotcha. Now, there are some traditions, especially in Wicca, Mm. where once a circle is cast, you can't cross the circle. If you need to leave the circle for any reason, you have to cut a door Mm -hmm. into the circle so that you can leave, get whatever you need, and come back. And then Mm -hmm. the circle has to be reclosed. Mm -hmm. And we'll get into sort of some specifics on that maybe in a little bit. Right. And and when I created that sacred space. I didn't cast a circle. Mm -hmm. It was just, I dedicated that space to the work I was doing that day. Right. Okay. I guess coming from Christianity, I look at sacred spaces as, for instances, would be an altar. Right. Mm -hmm. A church. A temple. A church, a temple. Even like when I was doing stuff that was considered oddball in Christianity, mm-hmm. like the 24-7 mm-hmm. prayer rooms. And which are in like warehouses. Right. And, yeah. Those would become at least sacred spaces while I was there mm-hmm. because of the I'm, prayer and stuff that we put into it leading up to it. Sure. Okay. And I'm, I think I'm, that's the most technical definition of sacred space, which a lot of people follow, and I think that's fine. I'm curious, though, in Christianity, because I wasn't really involved in that. Right. I mean, I was a little bit involved, but I didn't, like, engage with it in a, like, emotional sense. Yeah, you left with it when you were, like, nine. Yeah, so. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> what was the process of sacredizing a space in Christianity? Well, I think it depends on the sect of Christianity. Yeah, right. Because we were mostly involved in non-denominational, charismatic-y type churches, mm-hmm. though I didn't really fall into that. Personally? Kind of personally, but because we were involved in churches that were like that, it tended to be just like prayer. Mm-hmm. You so know, you, you would just pray in space and, and that God made it to, sacred. Right, God's yeah, presence yeah. is what God's made pres- it sacred yeah, exactly. and holy. Yeah, and, the Holy Spirit coming down. Right. I think for many pagans, too, who might believe that God is in everything. Which or, is panentheism. Yeah, pan, thank you. You're welcome. For panentheists, God is in everything. Us. Right. Interpenetrating. Earth, interpenetrating right. anything. So that makes everything a sacred space. Mm-hmm. Okay. Just asking questions. Yeah. No, that's... <laughs> yeah. No, that, that's, that's the that's whole part point. That's part of the series. That's very true, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm the question-asking-er. Uh-huh. Question-asking-er. Question-asking-er? Yeah, good. yeah. Good one. <laughs> I'm making up words. 
Sounds good. You did mention an interesting point, which is about cleansing a space. Right. Mm -hmm. That's a pretty common step in creating a sacred space, especially Mm -hmm. at the early stages, especially if it's going to be a permanent sacred space. For temporary sacred spaces, it doesn't happen as often or as thoroughly necessarily. Mm -hmm. Sometimes there will be incense or sage that will be wafted over participants before they enter a circle to make them spiritually clean before they enter it. Right. Sometimes the general general area will be asparaged with Mm -hmm. with water or smoked. But a lot of times people cast a circle in a completely uncleansed area Mm -hmm. and it's part of the circle casting does a cleansy thing. Mm-hmm. Is my understanding. Okay. I don't actually cast circles. Right. Me, personally. And that would be so. where what I would believe is that I can go anywhere, cast a circle, and that place becomes a sacred space. And, and it becomes automatically cleansed. It becomes automatically cleansed. Interesting. But, but see, I know that there are traditions who don't believe that, right. and that's perfectly fine. Well, and I don't necessarily believe that a cleansing is appropriate in all circumstances. Mm-hmm. If you're trying to connect with the spirit of a particular place, it's not going to be practical for you necessarily to, to cleanse, cleanse it. it ahead of time right because congratulations you just evicted the person you were going to talk to (laughs) right right that's right that's right and for instance when when ode and i went around and we were cleansing the house because we're getting ready to build the wards Mm -hmm. and we wanted to get the (laughs) sigils all over the walls sigils (laughs) and things like that what we did when we used that smoke was and i used florida water on the floors earlier And through as much of the flooring, the sub floor as I could. Right. Since we didn't have carpet. Uh Yeah. We just do it in its barest. (laughs) Yeah. So so there was, this whole place pretty much got Florida watered. Baking soda and peroxide. Yeah, exactly. And bleached. (laughs) Mouthwash. Among other things. I spoke an incantation to remove negative energy while owed. I unbound the whites. Exactly. I had done some reading with my tarot in the house to sort of introduce myself and say, hey, and check what they wanted. We still haven't worked out what the offering schedule is going to be. But what I kept getting from them was that they had felt trapped and constrained under the previous tenants or maybe the previous several tenants. So I was unbinding the whites and waking them up and again, introducing myself and attaching myself to the house, making a covenant with the whites that I would uplift and uphold them and the house if they would uplift and uphold me and my work. Which, because this is a house and it has house whites in it, at least as far as I'm concerned. And part of my practice is interaction with those spirits Mm -hmm. and good relationship with them. This house is sacred just by virtue of them being in it. Mm -hmm. Right. The degree to which it is sacred depends on my relationship with those whites. So Right. right now... We have a very tenuous relationship. We haven't set up an offering schedule yet. Mm-hmm. We, we've had very few conversations. But uh, over time, I will be trying to build trust with those whites and a good faith relationship with them. And once that's in place, the house will become, at least for me, much more sacred, mm-hmm. increasingly sacred. And a safer and stronger place. Mm-hmm. Right. And for me, my next step is to do the outside, mm-hmm. which my goal for next week is to clean around the outside, get any trash or glass or things Mm -hmm. that we're finding in the grass, the detritus from the previous contractor and And other things, etc. Go around and clean the space as well as prepare the area for any kind of gardening, that Mm -hmm. kind of thing that will happen next spring. At the same time, I'm also going to be introducing myself to the property, to the trees that surround us. And that's the wonderful thing about this space. From the moment I stepped on it, I felt very welcome. And I think that's important for anyone to feel welcome in the space that they're going to. I don't know that I felt welcomed in the same way that Gwyn felt welcomed. 
But I, f- I felt very positive mm-hmm. about the house the first moment I got into it and when we were standing on the grounds. It's a good house. It's, like I said, I, it felt very suppressed mm. to me. So I didn't get a, it was hard for me to get a good active read on it. Right. And to, like I said, we haven't really established lines of communication yet. But I, it's a good house and it does, I think it will come to feel sacred to mm-hmm. me. Right. And I know that we are planning to do work outside mm-hmm. in the backyard for sabbats and different rituals that we're planning to do in the back. And the more and work that, you do in a place. The more sacred it becomes. Yeah. So one of the things I've read, because, you know, right. I actually look at things before we do these podcasts. Shocking, I know. I know. <laughs> Gosh, it's not anything like high school or college for me, where I just <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's the answer. And if it's not, too bad. <laughs> one of the things I read was that if you were going to create a sacred space in your home, such as an altar or mm-hmm. a meditation area mm-hmm. or something to that effect, that you should make it an area that other people in your household would not disturb. But we're talking about making our whole house a sacred space. Kind of. We're not talking about making our whole house an altar, mm-hmm. necessarily, or a place where... And I think, again, that comes down to right. what the definition of and sacred I think there are, space is. Well, I think there are just different layers of sacredness. So levels? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Just different degrees, I guess, mm-hmm. of, of sacredness. So okay. the house is sacred to me because the whites live in it. Mm-hmm. My individual, personal, warded space is sacred to me on a slightly different level. Because that's a space that I have specifically told spirits, here's where you can get in contact with me. You can come in through this window. You can't leave through this door or the rest of the house. Those wards are preeminent. In my room, my wards are preeminent. Right? Then in front of my altars, which aren't set up yet, because I just now got all my boxes with my altar things in them. (laughs) And nothing to put them on. (laughs) Nothing to put them on, yeah. You can set them up all Uh, on the the boxes. Yeah, on the boxes, yeah. (laughs) My individual altars, when they're set up again, will be sacred for specific purposes. Right. So my ancestor altar is sacred for doing work with my ancestors, but I don't do other kinds of work there. It's not sacred for that purpose. It's, right. it's very specifically tuned to this one thing. Okay. Mm-hmm. Then I have altars for my deities, altars mm-hmm. for just doing work. Mm-hmm. I have an altar, or I had an altar in the previous apartment where things just became sacred. It was a place that I said, this is a sacred space I set up boundaries around it and I established an intention for Mm -hmm. sacredness to flow into that space from me, from the gods, from the ancestors, from the whites. And tools went there to become sacred as the first stage of enlivening. Well, for instance... So like, like, I don't know, some stones... Yes, some yes. stones. Some stones. Oh, some I see. Some stones would go there. <laughs> I see what's happening. And it would okay. be part of Oats Stone Corner. Was it actually a corner? It was actually a corner. And, yes. <laughs> and actually, that, that sounds really good in this room. I've just got to say, maybe we should like, put sound, you know, soundproofing on the wall because that really worked. <laughs> <laughs> it was on the top of my corner desk. Yes, actually. There you go. So I named this correctly. Go ahead. <laughs> All right. So this, the, and this is appropriate because I was just talking about tuning a space and we're going to be talking about a stone that's very programmable. We're going to be talking about clear quartz. We've talked about other varieties of quartz like amethyst and citrine and a lot of stones are quartz variants, frankly. Quartz is the second most abundant mineral on Earth's continental crust. What's the most? Feldspar. Oh, feldspar. Feldspar is the most abundant mineral on Earth. Huh. And quartz is the second most abundant. It is a silicon dioxide, so its chemical composition is one silicone and two oxygen molecules. 
Because it's the most common mineral of its type of a crystal like this, because feldspar is not a crystal, you find it used extremely frequently Okay. in pretty much all of its variations, but especially in clear quartz, which is the most common of even the other quartz variants. It had prehistoric use as stone tools. So uh, during the lithic period, stone tools were made with quartz. They were napped into axe heads and spears and things like that, oh, in cool. some parts of Europe especially. It was used to produce... Art and decorative items, uh, vases were made out of, so sort of the same things that were made out of jade in Asia, mm-hmm. vases and funerary items and urns and plates and bowls and decorative things of all kinds were made out of jade in Asia and were made out of quartz in Europe and in like South America. Okay. Because quartz tends to be pretty easy to mine. It tends to be close top layer mineral. To the surface gotcha. Yep. And that continued into the mid-19th century. It was used to create extremely high-value art objects because you could find relatively large quartz specimens mm-hmm. to carve like whole objects out of. So there would be whole vases carved out of a single piece of quartz. Gotcha. Uh, and those were extremely high-value art objects until about the mid-19th century when it fell out of favor. Mostly now it's used in jewelry and as uh, witchy pagan paraphernalia. There we go. Okay. Quartz actually has some really interesting properties that I think relate to its correspondences today. We've talked a little bit previously about how I think correspondence has come about. Here's an example. So quartz is a piezoelectric substance. What that means is that if it is subjected to pressure, it produces a a small electrical charge. Okay. The mineral itself produces a small electrical charge. That's actually how it's used in watchmaking. The inverse is also true. When subjected to a small electrical charge, it deforms slightly, the crystal does, Mm -hmm. and at a specific frequency. So in a watch... The battery in the watch creates a small electrical charge to the quartz cell. The quartz cell vibrates at a specific frequency while it's deforming, and that is used to set the rotation. Oh, interesting. Yeah, okay. the rotation of the gears so that the watch stays constant. Hmm. That's why quartz watches don't have to be wound. Gotcha. It's also tribal luminescent. Tribal luminescence is a quality of mineral where if you, for example, if you rub two pieces of quartz together at the right speed and angle and frequency and everything, it produces light. Oh, that's very cool. Yeah, scientists... I really want to try this. <laughs> and it's, som- it's sometimes mistaken for electricity, but it's not. It's just a mechanically generated luminescence. Scientists aren't completely sure why it happens. They think it's due to the breakdown of certain chemicals in the composition, but it's very specific instance of this mineral producing both energy in, right. in the form of electricity and energy in the form of light. Interesting. Uh, independently. Right. So quartz, metaphysically, has the quality of being what we call highly tunable. So clear quartz on its own is basically just clean. It's clean energy. It doesn't have like a a strong tone of its own. It doesn't have desires or impulses the way other stones have like areas of interest. Quartz is a little aloof, but it's very practical and workmanlike. So you can take a piece of quartz and set an intention for it, and it will essentially change the way it processes to reflect that intention you've set, which is different from how other stones are. The way other stones tend to work is that they have a thing that interests them, a thing that they do very well, and you can use them to do that thing. Quartz will come to you, unless it's been tuned by someone else, will come to you basically at a null state, and you can tune it to do a specific thing. Does that make it easier to find a piece of quartz that works with you? Yes. Okay. Quartzes are much... You you can pick up like a dozen pieces of quartz 
and pretty much all of them will work for you. It's not nearly as finicky as like an obsidian where you have to find the right one or right. labradorite where like one out of a hundred will be the right piece of labradorite. Quartz is, because it's so versatile, because it can be tuned so easily, because it comes with such a clean, natural frequency, it's not picky about who picks it up. It's willing to do most things. I've never had a quartz refuse to work with me or refuse to do any specific thing or be tuned for any specific purpose. Interesting. I, I, I brought quartz to this because it's so tunable, you can use it when you're creating sacred spaces to help focus the intention of a sacred space. And then every time, so you asked, like, how would you bring a portable sacred right. space with you? You could tune a piece of quartz mm-hmm. to create a sort of waves of sacred space around it. Gotcha. And then everywhere you brought that quartz, you would bring a certain layer of sacredness with you. How did the only piece of quartz I've ever found run away from me? I don't know. Oh, Car found, Car found, <laughs> yeah. Car found a piece of quartz just lying around because it's the second most common mineral on earth. A little bitty <laughs> little, thing. little bitty piece of quartz. And he was showing it to me and I dropped it down the back of the couch and it's gone forever. No, it's in, it's in the couch making the couch sacred. <laughs> uh, no, I don't think it was probably ever tuned. So it's, no, it's no, just making it's the couch clean. Making right. the couch clean. <laughs> That's it for Oats! Stone Corner! Very dramatic. It is very nice. <laughs> the neighbors are probably going, what the fuck? The neighbors, the neighbors can deal with it. <laughs> All right, cool. Where were we going after this? <laughs> Still talking about sacred spaces. I had been talking about the altar where I just put tools to right, sort right, of acquire yeah. well, and energy. I, and I wanted to say, when my father passed away, I created what I was basically calling a remembrance for him, mm-hmm. which is uh, one of those photo frames that has digital photos in it of him. I had flowers. I had a candle. I had a little offering dish that had some, some stones mm-hmm. in it. And that, for me, became a sacred right. space, uh, a remembrance. It of, became a shrine. A shrine for my dad. And it has helped keep him in, you know... In your his, thoughts. In my thoughts right. every time I see that. Of course, he does come visit and talk to me every now and then. That's <laughs> what so being a spiritual medium means. That's right. So sometimes my daddy will pop in and say hi and <laughs> and tell me he wants his granddaughter to try chicken liver. Yep. Right. So, <laughs> This is not new news. This is not new. But anyway. I've been trying to get you to do it for eons. Uh-huh. But, so. and, but that was, you know, my intention was not originally to make a shrine necessarily, but that is what it became. Right. Additionally, I had an altar space that was... It was supposed to be just seasonal decoration. It was supposed to be seasonal decoration. It, it was intuitively created as an altar. And I think for me, that a lot of the time is what happens in my altar spaces. Mm-hmm. For me, creating a an altar, it's basically an intuitive process. So I wanted to put my plants on a table near a window. And then eventually I started adding... I added stones. Mm-hmm. I added little objects that were important to me as a pagan, and lo and behold, it became, a, it became, it became an, altar. an altar. It became a green altar. And then when we created our family altar, that was a sacred space right there in the middle of our living room. Mm-hmm. Right. That table was a sacred space because it had a section for Ode. Yep. It had a section for me, which is where I kept my swan in honor of Brigitte, and I kept my cauldron there. And then you had your side, right. which was dedicated to the Dagda and other bits of Druidism. Right. So that, because you were mentioning earlier, this art is everywhere, uh, the sacred space <laughs> right. in our home. Right. In our, in our apartment, in our previous home, 
that was a sacred space. And so table, that is right. not a place where I would like put my feet or there right. was a coffee table put, right. right in the middle of the living room. Very right. important key element. If you used to use this table to just put down cups or store things, it doesn't do that anymore once it's an altar. Yeah, right. once it's an altar. Which it, I had to be very conscious yeah. of. Mm-hmm. It became a sacred space right. because we did ritual there. Right. Yep. And we cast spells there. Right. And we honored our gods and goddesses there. So, yes, various places in your home can become sacred spaces, individual from the entire home. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, I used to work at a church and I set my drinks on the altar all the time. <laughs> have actually slept under one, so... <laughs> that explains so much. <laughs> but respect, um, respect, and I think just... Practice is mm-hmm. an important component right. of setting and using a sacred space. The more time you spend with it, yeah. the more... Because the one of the keys of a sacred space is that it puts you in a certain frame of mind. Mm-hmm. Approaching an altar that you use frequently for a specific purpose should put you in the frame of mind to do that thing. Mm-hmm. Just out of habit, if nothing else. Because you're, you know, your brain gets used to doing specific things and right. p- mm-hmm. performing specific electrical impulses between neurons. And those become habits. And then every time you approach that thing, your brain goes, oh, I know what happens here. And Right. I think that'll be easier in this new space because we're basically setting aside about a quarter of our home. We are, to yeah. To be an altar room. To be altar, including, well, not just altar, but sacred space. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, between this room, the podcasting room, yep. slash meditation space, slash reading room, mm-hmm. and our actual altar area. Which is just outside this room. Mm-hmm. Which is just outside this of this room. Area. Yeah, so this basically a, this a whole good half of the third, house, really. Well, a third, probably, yeah, third, yeah. of the home is going to be sacred space. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. which I think is kind of dope. And it'll yeah. make it more accessible. The more access you have to your altar, this is one of the reasons you have to have reliable access to an altar mm-hmm. uh, or to a sacred space in general. It doesn't have to be an altar, but to a sacred space that you use for your work. You can never, at least in my in in my experience, and this could be just because I'm an extremely territorial person, but I am, am unwilling to be cut off from my sacred space, mm-hmm. right? Even temporarily, it and was it was like I had to go through a whole process emotionally mm-hmm. to break down my altars to bring them here, mm-hmm. right? And let me just say for our brothers and sisters out there in paganism who have to be stealthy about this, who Mm -hmm. have very conservative Christian families or some other religious tradition, and they cannot have... Or just judgy friends. Or just judgy people around them. They cannot have their sacred space be open to the public. You can have your altar, as we were saying, in a little secret a mint tin. Mint tin. You can have it in a shoebox. I don't think anybody knows what secrets no, are anymore. No, never heard of it in my life. <laughs> Altoids. An Altoids tin. Altoids tin. It shows my age. Um, or even in a shoebox that you keep in a closet or mm-hmm. under your bed. If it's where you hold the tools that you work with, the items that are important to you, mm-hmm. that is when you pull those out, when you set those up, when you do your meditations or cast mm-hmm. your circle or do your rituals, whatever, that becomes sacred, right. period, wherever you happen to do that. Right. It doesn't have to be big, dramatic, no. or public to be sacred. No, exactly. And I think that's important, especially yeah. for, for people who are new to paganism and do have to remain in the broom closet at least for a while. Yeah. You can have sacred space right in your bedroom. Without any uh, without, without any anything, tools at all. Without any tools at all because you're there. It's your intention. Guess what? What? It's time for reviews. Pitched a little high this time. <laughs> but it was nice. It was. It was good. It's very melodic. 
I like and it. And I think the, the echo, again. Again. It's like being in a shower. It's really good for the transitions. It's like being in a shower. <laughs> you know how you get really good uh-huh. No, I don't, because I've in never in my life done singing in a shower. I have too much self-respect. Oh, stop <laughs> Everybody sings in a shower at some I point. do not. <laughs> All right, so the book that we are oh, yeah, reviewing. Yes. The Which book I think is very appropriate. Right, yeah. We were looking through the books... We were going to review this time and came on this one, and we were like, oh, so there really isn't a choice here. Right, this yeah. is just the book we're doing. Yeah. So, so the book is called The Witch's Altar, The Craft, Lore, and Magic of Sacred Space mm-hmm. by Jason Mankey and Laura Tempest-Zakroff. This book was provided to us free of charge for an honest review, and it comes out in November mm-hmm. from Llewellyn. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We've reviewed a book by Laura tempest Sackrock before, mm-hmm. and we met her once, actually. She yep. seems like a nice Love person. Love Jason both. Yeah, we met them Jason. both at convocation. Oh, that's yeah. right. We did, yeah. yeah. Both yep. at convocation. Nice and I read, I read Jason's blog. <laughs> yeah. Yep. 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 On Patheos. Right, yes, which is his big thing, is, uh-huh. is his Patheos He blog. writes some great and stuff. And this is a series of books that he's... Mm-hmm. In the process of writing, yeah. I think this is book three in that series. I think so, yeah. So, the witches, etc. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So this book is technically specifically about altars, mm-hmm. uh, but it covers some other subjects really as does. well. Uh, he, they talk thorough. about they talk about pentacles in there, which there was a long section about pentacles, and I don't use pentacles, so I didn't like super jive with it, but it seemed interesting academically. Mm-hmm. It's actually really great information, especially okay. for those of us out there who are witches. Yes. So read that section. I mean, it makes sense that it would be for witches. It's called The Witch's Altar. Well, I know what I mean. <laughs> and they're it's both for, witches. They're, they're both, both witches. witches. Right. But any pagan could read this and yeah, get yeah. a lot of information right. out of it. Right. And yeah, I they, they, did a, they did an interesting thing here uh, where after or sort of interspersed throughout chapters, they had what were called uh, alternatives. Alternatives. Alter- alternatives. Yes, alternatives. So yes. alternatives. But uh, and they were little inserts from people from other traditions mm-hmm. on these subjects. Which yeah. I thought was great. Yeah, so it was really a, nice. a variety of viewpoints on all of these different issues. Right. Yeah, yeah, that was really nice. They had mm-hmm. some conjure, some hoodoo voodoo mm-hmm. yep. perspectives. There heathen? was a heathen perspective, which is from different paths and traditions. Yep. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that was very interesting. And I appreciated that a lot because it's very easy to sort of get your blinders on with this stuff and say, like, my way is the right way. Yeah. And I also liked that it wasn't just uh, certain types of altars. It was like they covered everything. They covered outside altars, seasonal altars, right. indoor daily altars. I mean, yeah. and they, altars for all And the they days. talked a little bit about sort of the practice of coming to your altar on a regular mm-hmm. basis. Devotional and, altars. Uh-huh. Interacting with it, keeping it clean, make it, how to make different kinds of offerings, how mm-hmm. to dispose My of different f- kinds of creating offerings. Creating altars with children, making it a part of your family. Yeah. My favorite part of it was troubleshooting an altar. Mm. Yeah, that was like, interesting kind of how too. How to fix it? Mm. Is your altar sure not working clean. for you? Right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Consider sure the consider these right. options. Right. Right. Which I that was my favorite part of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that Which, was. A... You know, it took me to the end of the book to get there, but <laughs> <laughs> I kind of wish it had been earlier. But it's not a terribly long book. It's 250, 275 pages. Mm-hmm. It's not three hundred. I don't think in some sections. Two hundred and eighty-eight. Yeah. Some others. There are a few areas I think that were maybe a little dry. I thought that I. But... And this may just be because it wasn't really for me, but the pentacle section dragged a little bit for me. <laughs> Sorry, Jason. Uh, and Laura. And, and Laura, Laura. Yeah. yeah. It dragged a little bit for me, especially when we got to the part where it was just a series of instructions about different ways to make pentacles. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. here's all the instructions you need to make a beeswax pentacle. Here's all the instructions you need to make a paper plate pentacle. And I was just like, okay, I get it. I get the gist. I can probably look up other ways to make pentacles online. Can we right. continue, please, to the rest of the book? 
Mm-hmm. But the rest of the book was good. The rest I, of the book I was good. I thought the whole, honestly, right, yeah. I like the entire book. I think it's a useful book. It's got great information, especially for people who are setting up an altar for the first time or yeah. maybe trying to branch out from the altar that they've had. They want to do something mm-hmm. a little different. Yep. It, it's really good information. Yeah, right, I, I so enjoyed it. Because I have to do it out of five stars. <sighs> oh, it hates the stars. I know. I'm, I'm at three and a half. I, I give it four. Four? Mm-hmm. I give it three and a half. Three and a half. Yeah. So we're going to add it. We're going to end up at 3.75. Uh, yeah. 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 Right, so. I also want to point out um, we have to double check on the date. We can post this on, on the Facebook page or, or add it to the notes. But Jason Mankey is going to be at Arts and Craft talking about the book oh, and yeah. doing a signing, I believe, at some point in. So that's gotta be yeah, it's gotta be in November. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's either in November or December. So we'll we'll get a date up on that. Yeah, yeah, but you can find Jason Mankey all over the internet. Everywhere, everywhere. All you have to do is just just Google his name, man, and you'll find him. Taking to his patheos, probably his Twitter. Mm -hmm. Who knows? Mm -hmm. So I would say at a three point seven five, that three pagans and a cat would recommend this book. Absolutely, yeah, Yeah, recommend. I'll be reading it again. I I got some really great ideas from it. Browse it again, probably. I'll probably dive heavier into it yeah. because I want to make sure that I create yeah. an altar correctly. And then mm-hmm. this was more of a read it for review than read mm-hmm. it for right, right. Car. I don't think it's necessarily. I thought it was interesting. This book didn't say like here's how to make an altar. Mm-hmm. It right. said here are some options. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Well, and I think, and you just said something. You know, you want to make sure you did Do it, it right. right. Yeah. Yep. I don't think there is a right or a wrong way, unless you're in a specific tradition. Right. I which has rules. Which has rules. But for me, again, I'm intuitive when it comes to my altars. So there is no right or wrong way. There is just creating what she an altar that with. works for me. You know. Yeah, but then that becomes your rules. I mean, there are rules to everything. Yeah. So, so even like, though yeah. you may create the rules, they're your rules at that point. Yep. Yeah, like I don't, I don't put pictures of living people on my ancestor shrines. Right, mm-hmm. uh, that's a pretty common one, but it's not like a, there are people who do include the pictures, pictures of the living or pictures of the dead that have the living in them mm-hmm. on their ancestor shrines. I don't do that because. It doesn't feel comfy to me. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so photos that I have of the dead that have living people in them don't go on the shrine. Right. Mm-hmm. That's, that's unfortunate right. when that's the only photo I have of that person, but, you know, so it goes. Right, yeah. <laughs> so interesting, you know, it's, feel free if it's a photo that I'm in, just cut me out. <laughs> Sharpie. Uh-huh, yeah. That's fine. Yeah, all the, apparently, like, every picture of one of my relatives, I'm in. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, Photobomb. <laughs> Well, I didn't have much choice. I was an infant when yes, we were taken. True. So he was he was small. My grandparents didn't live long enough for for me to have like individual pictures of them or any of my family before that. Yeah. So anyway, cool. I'm glad we decided that we all actually like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, uh, Definitely recommend it. Recommend it. It's very very well written. It's. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say I give it a strong recommendation. I give it like a if you have however much this book ends up costing in your wallet and you're at the bookstore, go for it. Like absolutely, you'll probably get something useful out of it. You will. I think yeah. I think people will find it very useful, mm-hmm. especially. I would say this is especially good for beginning pages. Yeah, yeah. Uh, not a must read, but a could read. Mm-hmm. Well, and are we at that point where this is odes wanting more information? Yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah probably. Yeah. Now, we've there, talked there's, about this before. Yeah, there's so. definitely an extent to which I was looking for maybe a more theoretical text than this was. Like I said, I got to the point where we were like, "Here's ha- three thousand ways to make a pentacle," and I was like, "I'm bored." <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> because I was I was interested in an academic way in the like the reasons for having a pentacle and they talked about that. But after we got back past that point into the like practical nitty gritty stuff about how to make various kinds of pentacles, I was 
checked out. And for me, I'm like, hey, that's kind of cool. I might try some of these. Okay, <laughs> let me skip along to the altar and mooncake recipes. I'm physically I mean, incapable you know, of skipping through chapter, a book. So, you know. I'm, yeah, I, I can't skip through a book. I got to read it start <laughs> to finish. That probably also contributes. Probably. When, yeah. when things start to drag, I can't just move on. I got to get through it. <laughs> All right, so cool. I believe there was something else. Oh, yeah, yeah. Lists, Gwen, right? Gwen wanted oh, to also right. review. Yeah, I did want to talk about, because, you know, I was saying right. I used Florida water all over my floors. We used a very specific Florida water. I used water. a very specific Florida water, which I got at Conjure Fest, yeah. Detroit Conjure Fest, from Big Liz Conjure. And that's BigLizConjure.com yep. is the website if you want to check out. I remember her booth, and it was very she, cool. Yeah, and, and on the video that we did, the, the live podcast, mm-hmm. we showed the bottle. Yep. And it's beautiful. It's got all, you can see the herbs and the flowers mm-hmm. and everything that she added into it. And my Lord, is it amazing. It She says in her description of it on her website that it's not as strong as her perfumes, and or colognes, rather. It's not as strong as the colognes. I'm like, my God, woman, if this is not as strong as the colognes, your colognes must be amazing because it made this house smell much better. Yes. Yeah, just on a purely practical just level, it smells great. Be- it, it really does. Um, but, but it did also, also spiritually sort of really clean it, out some of the gunk. It cleaned out some of the gunk. As soon as I was done, I was like, this place feels lighter mm-hmm. already. And yeah. we hadn't even done the smoke. Or so the- what you're saying is, this place is clean. <laughs> <laughs> now we're going to have to watch that movie. <laughs> Poltergeist here, it is. It's here they come. Over. Here they come, the... The pop culture references. The seal has been broken. That's right. Here they come. Prepare yourselves, people. You thought we were different, but here's who we are. And here's the thing. I have actually got two Florida waters. I've got one that I got from Magnolia Rains Rains from Box of Rain on Etsy. Again, one of our favorite Etsy stores. Yes. And I love that because that is perfect for a bath wash, a ritual yep. bath. It's made with essential oils, mm-hmm. and it's wonderful for personal cleansing, I've discovered. But I really think if you have some serious spiritual issues that you need cleansing, there is nobody to go to but Big Liz. I'm seriously, this woman knows how to make I also just, a Florida water. I aesthetically am very attracted to all the stuff mm-hmm. in the Florida water. And the, the It's got is, a bunch of like whole herbs in it, and I'm very about it. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just, honestly, I think it's just better than some of the stuff you might get that's sold commercially. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And... And that you'll find in... because it's not mass-produced. Exactly. And what you'll find in the majority of of pagan stores or online Mm -hmm. or whatever, if you're looking for some seriously powerful Florida water... I highly recommend BigLizConjure.com. Smells nice, looks pretty, does the job. Exactly. Yep. Put it on the bottle. (laughs) In fact, I'm going to, and it's not cheap, but it is worth it. No, it's not. It is not, it's an expensive floor Yes, we bought Uh, this one. This was not provided to us. Right. It's it's an expensive water, but it is worth every damn penny. Mm -hmm. That's it for reviews. Lovely. Thanks. A little, a little shaky on the end, but otherwise... I was running out of breath because I'm sitting down. If I had been standing, I could have held that down for a significant amount. You did projection. You kind of modulated a little higher than norm, than the first one. So it's just, I'd give it a solid five. <laughs> out of what? Out of what? <laughs> out of what? <laughs> Ten. Oh. oh. Wow. Rough. Yeah. I'm teasing. It was good. I Rough like, crowd. <laughs> Jeez, you sing it from now on. <laughs> Miss, no, I have a degree in vocal performance. No, that's your She does. Gig. She that's does have a degree gig. in vocal performance. I'm just teasing. 
He knows Whatever. <laughs> I'm the one who has to sing all the intros and to outros. To be fair, you, you brought that on yourself. You brought that on yourself, buddy. You did that it on was your own. totally not my intention, but it somehow stuck. Uh-huh. You created this monster you on did. your own. Yeah. You absolutely all right. did. All right, let's get back to the, let's get back to the podcast. <laughs> yes. Instead of family drama. Uh-huh. That's right. Yeah, it's okay. That's what you get in this podcast. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> family, family drama. Family drama and stuff about a little, paganism. A little bit of magic. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I'll be honest with you people, this is what we're like all the time. Yeah. So you, you true. You get to hear it. So true. Especially <laughs> for today for Lorelai, who is... On the Discord. Discord, the Discord. listening, going... Hi, Lorelai. Getting okay. the undiluted... <laughs> the undiluted... The unedited... The pre-edited version pre-edited of this. Pre-edited version. You lucky, lucky person. <laughs> <laughs> Paid off... Paid $10 for this privilege. <laughs> and if you have any questions, please do ask. Yep. Yeah, Car is on top of the Discord. That's so. right. That's right. Lorelai loves it and is apparently laughing while crying. So. <laughs> good. Good. We're I very hate emojis because I'm like, oh. How do I interpret this? It's laughing with tears. So I think that's, I don't know, it's something. It's, it's like, positive. It's right. a positive <laughs> response, which is good. That's what we want. Accurate. That's what we want. <laughs> have a good time so we do all right next yes another thing i wanted to talk about relative to sacred space is liminality so liminality is the concept that there are places specifically frequently thresholds Mm -hmm. or certain groves of trees ley ley lines that there are places where reality is kind of thin and you have easier access to other levels of reality just as or there spirituality, are, for example. Just as there are times mm-hmm. when there when things get frayed. When things get thinner. So the concept of a liminal space is one where it's easier to disengage with moral reality and engage with other layers of reality. Such as Sedona. I know that Sedona is considered a place right. where it's very easy to access the spiritual. Right. There are arguments to be made. That liminal spaces are, to a certain degree, inherently sacred, Mm -hmm. and they make extremely good sacred spaces Mm -hmm. intentionally. So, thoughts. (laughs) Well, I know that for one thing, let's say, for instance, Ireland, there are certain groves of trees. And stones. And stones that the local people, they consider them sacred. Just don't touch it. They don't Mm -hmm. touch it. It belongs to the neighbors. It It belongs to the good neighbors. And so you just don't mess with it. That, it's part of their culture. Plow around it. Exactly. It's, they, they, and we did. I think we were watching a documentary and the, the farmer did. Mm-hmm. He just plowed right around it, did not touch it, because mm-hmm. there was a grove of trees that is considered sacred. There's folklore about elderberry trees, mm-hmm. that elderberry is a sacred tree, and mm-hmm. you're not permitted to cut an elderberry, even to prune it mm-hmm. for any reason. The only way you can get elderberry wood, traditionally, folklorically, mm-hmm. is if a branch falls. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If you cut the tree, you've offended the spirit, and you're cursed now. Mm-hmm. So elderberries are, and elderberry uh, bushes and trees and groves of elderberries, mm-hmm. where they exist, are uh, liminal spaces mm-hmm. where witches and pagans like to converge to mm-hmm. do work because there's a lot of spiritual there's activity there. There's a lot there. of spiritual activity, and there's many groves. And of course, there's places such as Stonehenge, mm-hmm. those places that are considered sacred. Mm-hmm. I think partly because of just the ancientness of them, but right. also the suspected right. In a lot of cases, we don't know actually. Uh, yeah, in a lot of cases, we don't actually know mm-hmm. what the intended purpose of the thing was. Mm-hmm. But it's considered an object of veneration now. Exactly. And there are some places, for instance, in the Catholic tradition, Lourdes, you mm-hmm. know, places where saints or the Virgin Mary have appeared, right. those are considered sacred spaces. I know that there are places in Islam, 
um, the Dome of the Rock, I think is yeah, what it's yeah, called so. in yeah. Jerusalem. That, you know, that's sacred to them. There's all kinds of places that are sacred. So, counterpoint. Liminal spaces, you might argue, receive a lot of traffic. Mm-hmm. Both physically, in terms of people visiting them, especially if they're well-known liminal mm-hmm. spaces. Mm-hmm. And just spiritually, because that's where people come through sometimes. Mm-hmm. Is it problematic to establish a personal sacred space in a liminal zone that receives that kind of heavy activity mm-hmm. if, like, for me, a sacred space is a place of peace and mm-hmm. sort of quiet contemplation? Mm-hmm. Even if I'm doing loud work there, it's a place where I can reasonably expect not to have unexpected visitors because I've set up, you know, mm-hmm. the boundaries of the space and said, these people can come in, nobody else can. A liminal space that traditionally gets a lot of traffic, mm-hmm. would it be weird or inconvenient to set up a personal sacred space there? Even if it makes it easier to get into contact with that. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it, it depends on where the liminal space is. Right. Is it is it a place that you can set up your own personal space to do work? Well, but I mean, liminal spaces aren't necessarily big things. Like That's true. your closet could be a liminal space. That's true. Have you ever gotten the sense that there are monsters in your closet? Maybe there are. Maybe your closet. If you live in an space. old house and that closet has a lot of spiritual traffic, mm-hmm. thresholds make great liminal spaces. That's how I found out I was a spiritual medium, mm-hmm. a, a psychic medium, as a child. There was a liminal space in my closet. Yeah, that's pretty common. So if you've got like a a liminal space that receives a lot of spiritual Mm -hmm. traffic that's Mm -hmm. in your home, for example, Mm -hmm. is it better or worse to set that up as a sacred Mm -hmm. space? Well, I think it depends on what is coming through and what your relationship with it is. For instance, I don't think in the home that I grew up in, that particular closet would have been a safe space for me to set up a personal altar. So, counterpoint. If you create a sacred space in a liminal space that has currently no wards, no gatekeepers, Mm -hmm. if you set up a sacred space there, you are defining its boundaries and the limits of who can come through it. Mm -hmm. Yes or no? I think potentially yes so you could take you could take an undefended liminal space Mm -hmm. create a sacred space in and around it Mm -hmm. consuming it and as a consequence defend that liminal zone that is i think that's potentially true so i have two things okay one is when did we become a pbs show (laughs) (laughs) counterpoint (laughs) (laughs) sorry this is our. I mean, our you know, you, you know who I am as a person. I know. This is funny. It's like all of a sudden we're a PBS show. Point counterpoint. <laughs> and Lorelai asked a question on mm-hmm. the Discord. Okay. Uh, would the idea of summoning things at the crossroads be an example of that? Yes. 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 Crossroads are liminal spaces. Yeah. So so that's why they're good for summoning. That's why they're good for disposal of used or completed spells. Okay. One of the strongest spells I ever cast. It was done at a crossroads in an apartment complex, Mm -hmm. but it was late at night. There was no traffic. It felt like a good space to Mm -hmm. me. I could sense that the time, the area, it was a good thin place to do work. So I went out there and did work and it was it was very powerful. So Lorelai, the question has been answered emphatically. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Crossroads. Crossroads. Traditional liminal space. Yes, absolutely. By the way, I just found out that you can find ley lines on Google Maps. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. I'm not surprised. Would a liminal space also be a Gwyn's Garden Gems? Uh, uh, no. Is your garden a liminal space? Well, actually, yeah, 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 likely it is. It is, actually. 
It is, it is. Vindicated again. He's giving victory arms. Yeah, it is. Because, like, for instance, I was saying, the balcony where I kept my herbs... that was a sacred space. It was a sacred space. But was it a liminal space? liminal space. Did it get a lot of spiritual traffic? It did. Okay. Was it? But I think it's because of the plants that I had. Right. So you were inviting. Yeah, I was inviting that. So by the way you created your garden, Mm -hmm. you were able to create a liminal space. Generate. 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 Most of the time, liminal spaces. Yeah. Most of the time, liminal spaces are sort of inherent. Now I will say that where I grew up. There was a liminal space in the trees in, in the uh, back forty. In the well, actually, right at the edge of the yard before you the, got to the back. Was it that 40. little grove of trees? Yeah, yeah I yeah. used to play there when I was a, a child and a teenager, and yeah. that was my magic place. As yeah, far as and I was that's concerned. because it was a liminal space. Yeah. It was very, very, very much a thin spot. It was a, it was a space in the forest where it felt both old and, and safe. Uh huh. It exactly. Okay. So yeah, I think you can create that. You can invite that, but generally speaking, they just what, sort of exist. They just sort of exist. And they can exist anywhere. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that's why in Birmingham, in, even though it was a, you know, a, building. a building or in a, a parking lot, I, it was very strong. And I think that area beneath all that asphalt right. and housing, that was a thin space. It was a liminal gotcha. space. So it could be used because inherently the earth underneath all of that was remembered. a liminal. Yeah, yeah it remembered, remembered it was whatever, whatever it was right. before. Exactly. Now, all right, now let's get, let's carry yes. on to the garden. Now we're actually <laughs> going to get to Gwen's Garden Gems. And there are actually a lot of herbs and plants that can be used for sacred space because there are so many that can be used for purification. But what I'm going to be focusing on today is mint. Mint is extremely easy to grow both in a pot and in your garden. However, if you're going to use it in your garden, even or even grow it in a pot, be aware it's a very friendly plant. It's and a it likes, traveler. It's a traveler. It likes to jump into other pots. It likes to go into the grass. Mint is so easy to grow. In fact, you might call it invasive. It is just a little bit invasive. However, it's very useful, not just for mojitos. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's magically it's used to increase money, success, prosperity, and joy, fertility, and love. Those are just some of the things that it can be used for. It's excellent for purification. So it's very good to add either on an altar space in a pot for purifying the space, or even if you wanted to steep the leaves of the mint plant and infuse it into a spray or an oil and anoint your sacred space. You could do that as well because it is purifying. Again, mint, you can grow it in a pot. It likes to be in the sun, so you want to have it in the full sunlight. Needs water, but not too much because it doesn't like wet feet. But you do want to make sure that the soil is moist. You can grow it in the garden, but you do have to make sure it's pretty much by itself and kind of blocked in maybe with some Yeah, you should, you should really brick in mint and put it Ideally, build like a break yeah. down into the soil to prevent it from, from rooting, rooting past. out. Because it will. It'll literally go under the bricks and into the yard if yeah. you're not careful. So, and it will fight and choke out other plants. Yeah. In addition to all its magical benefits, obviously, you have the health benefits. It can be used to ease headaches. It can aid digestion. It'll calm a sour stomach. See, and also it, purification. Yeah, and it'll stimulate appetite. Mint tea is, is excellent for that. And there are a lot of varieties of mint, and any of these varieties of mint can be used for these purposes. So I highly recommend growing mint, and then you can dry the leaves, and you can store them in a dry container that has a nice tight lid in a cool, dry place, and 
You can just steep it and yeah. use it however Easy you tea. want. Yeah, and you can also use it, make a tea out of it or an infusion. Use it to wash your floors if you need to for purification as well as putting it on your altar. Mm-hmm. It's very versatile. I like it muddled with some sugar. Yeah, that too. <laughs> so also, it's very, some rum over uh-huh. time. very good in a mojito. Like so. I said, mint is primo, and you can grow it yourself. And that's it for Queen's Garden Gems. You just keep going He's higher and higher. higher. What is that? What is that? I don't know. <laughs> Sorry. That's it for Queen's Garden Gems. Is that better? Yes. Okay. <laughs> it's more in your natural register. It's more natural, <laughs> yes. So let's actually talk about circle casting and hammer rights and those kinds of things, calling the corners, the actual process of doing that. Okay. There are a lot of ways to, there to call a circle, obviously. For me, mostly, honestly, it's done with my hand and and visualization of the energy leaving my hand to create that sacred circle, which creates the sacred space. But a lot of people prefer to have something that's visual, Mm -hmm. so they can use a rope, they can use flowers, you can put a candle at each quarter, Mm -hmm. which the quarters represent the, the cardinal the uh, directions, directions and elements. And ele- yeah, directions and elements. So you can put a candle or towers. some kind of at each quarter, which then creates your circle. Right. Or, you know. Um, or your square or your, whatever. Yeah, and that's the other thing. <laughs> your is, shape, your desired your shape. Your desired shape. Because depending on the situation, sometimes a triangle within the circle mm-hmm. is appropriate or a square within the circle mm-hmm. is appropriate, depending on the, the spell that you're casting or the work that you're doing. And it also depends on your tradition. As you were mentioning for some traditions once you've entered the circle and it has been closed you don't leave that circle and someone is actually stationed to open a door for people to come and go if mm-hmm. they need to oh you can also use an athame or a sword a wand i think can yeah. be used any of those things traditionally it's an athame yeah, and then an it's athame. used to cut the circle yes. to cut a door into mm-hmm. the circle so swords or athames are, yeah. are traditionally that's used not an adf thing at all no it's a wiccan thing yeah, yeah that's yeah. totally so. a wiccan Okay. How are how are ADF spaces defined? ADF spaces are defined oddly. We basically invite. I think we've talked about this before, where we invite the shining ones, okay. in which can be anybody's deity who happens to be part of that public ritual, right? Uh, which because is, ADF is very versatile, right. very versatile. And then we basically bribe the outsiders to stay away. (laughs) Yes, I've seen that. What does that mean? Explain that to me. So the outsiders are... Would be any any undesired undesired spirit that would maybe cause an issue with you. We bribe them by basically like pouring out half a beer... Mm-hmm. And then offering them the other half after the thing. <laughs> I love that. Right, yeah. That's so, great. It's so, one half bribe, one so half blackmail. It's essentially right. a, a libation, but, right. but done but by you, half. You, yeah, right. you, you hold half in reserve. Like, right, right, yeah. If for... you stay back and behave, I will give you the rest. Exactly. That's very interesting. Yeah. So, anyway. It's kind of like uh, trying to get your kids to eat their greens. Yeah, uh-huh. You can have this cookie if you eat your broccoli. But it won't happen. So, I won't get the cookie. No cookie for you. Which I, I would assume that happens sometimes where the outsiders are just like, mm, I don't care that much. I'd rather right, cause yeah. trouble. Yeah. And then I've seen people like up the ante to whiskey. Ah, okay. So, a more desirable right, right, <laughs> libation. Yeah, so mm-hmm. people out there who do that, and then like have more expensive whiskey than this. Right, exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. Let me pull out the twelve year. Uh-huh. <laughs> 
I don't know if that's I don't know if that's old for a whiskey or not. It, it's mm. kind of in the medium range. Okay, of whiskeys, yeah. an acceptable yeah. whiskey. Yeah, it, okay. it's, it's a pretty good whiskey. Okay. Yeah, okay. Moving go. on from, from the whiskey talk. <laughs> Apparently, this has become our alcohol episode. <laughs> Check that explicit mark. Yes. So that's how we would do it in the ADF. Okay. So there's not a circle cast. You do, nope. do you define the space in any you just way? Define not it. really. Just say like this is sacred. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. This, basically. This, yeah. So is it the space that becomes sacred, or is it just the actions that are sacred? Nope, it's the space. Interesting. So yeah. anything. But, it, but it's open so people can come so and go. So in kind of right. the same way that, that Gwyn will go outside and just perceive everything around her as being mm-hmm. a sacred space up until she stops thinking about it. Correct. Mm-hmm. In the ADF, a sacred space is just everything around the ritual until you stop thinking about it. Correct. Interesting. Yep. That is interesting. So now, how would you do it as yeah. a heathen? How since does we've that had work the, in heathen? I actually don't do it... The witch druid way. <laughs> right. You, know, you got the heathen way. Or I the actually... Old way. Right. Or I actually don't do it the way I've seen other heathens do it. I've seen heathens do what's called a hammerite, which as far as I can tell is basically Wiccan or Gardnerian derived. Okay. Where... A symbol, either an actual hammer or a symbol of Thor's hammer, which is just a like a you draw a, the outline of a hammer in sure. the air with your hands, will be done at the quarters, and mm-hmm. Thor will be invoked to protect the space, essentially. Okay. okay. Because Thor is traditionally a defender of men and a slayer of giants. Yeah. Sure. So you call Thor's attention down and say, like, here's the boundaries of the space I would like you to keep undesirables out of. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And then I have also seen some people do the bribing slash threatening the outsiders right. thing. Right. Where it's one part like, you get a beer at the end if you don't cause trouble, and one part like, I'll smite you if you do. Right. Yeah. I don't do any of that. Partly because I have a very open practice. I don't... I have a hard time with, like, hard notions of good and evil. Right. So, to me, even the undesirables are like, I mean, maybe they're useful. Who knows? Have you asked? Right. (laughs) Just, like, see if they have something to contribute. You never know. So, I don't reject anything at the start of a ritual. I sort of wait and see. And if somebody causes trouble, I can always kick them out afterwards. I can firm up the wards. Right. Because I set... Semi, what I call semi-permeable right. barriers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I create a specific space just with visualization. I say, like, the boundaries of this space are sacred for the purposes of my work. Usually it's within a specific room, so it's just, like, the walls right. are the edges of my sacred space. Okay. okay, so did you do anything when you all were out at the beach in St. Joe? I did the walking thing that I that I told you okay. about, where I just established a, a ring around mm-hmm. myself, okay. essentially as a sacred mm-hmm. space. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, and that's purely visualization. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. And we were we were there. You know, it was pretty early in the morning. Mm-hmm. There were people walking by. There was yep. a guy blowing sand off of the sidewalk, the sidewalks, yeah. you know, and things like that. But we were able to even do a, a little ritual right there on the water's edge at the So I don't do, I don't invoke anyone specifically other than, I guess, who gets sort of an automatic invocation every time I set up my shield. Right. I don't invoke anyone's protection. I just like, these wards exist. They're always part of me. Right. Because they're made out of Mm -hmm. me-ness. Right. So So I can just, I just expand them to a specific range and set the parameters for entry, essentially. Mm -hmm. Usually I keep them sort of at a semi-permeable range. Like, if you're cool and we know each other, you can come in. If we're not cool and you don't know me, knock first. Right. Sometimes I firm them up to say, nobody gets in until I say otherwise. And sometimes I bring them 
almost down and just say, anybody who intends me intentional harm mm-hmm. can't penetrate, but everybody else has a free pass for now. Gotcha. So I, I think the point of a lot of this discussion is, at least as far as I'm concerned, and perhaps you guys as well, I'm not sure, sacred space, it's not so narrowly defined. No. I, I think it's a much bigger definition than a lot of people realize. Right. And yes, it can be that narrow definition but it can also be something bigger. Or smaller. Yeah. Or smaller. Right. And I think that it's a good thing that this episode came after our grounding, grounding centering, shielding, yeah. because a lot of those same things those, apply yeah. to exactly. building your sacred sort of, exactly. sort of the way they tell me you're supposed to learn math, where you learn basic concepts mm-hmm. and they, build, they right. become building blocks to more complex concepts. Right. That didn't work for me with math, but it seems to work with magic. Right. If I didn't know how to ground, center, and shield myself, I wouldn't be able to, or I would have a very difficult time creating a sacred space mm-hmm. because I use those same fundamental elements mm-hmm. just in a slightly different way, in a yeah. slightly different direction. Right. Yeah. I think it's relevant, depending on who you are, what kind of a pagan you are, what your practice is, what your tradition is or isn't, if you don't have a tradition, what works for you. How do you define a sacred space? Well, and not everyone, I think there are probably people who just don't think about probably. sacred space. Right. Who just do their work mm-hmm. without ever intentionally, intentionally a creating sacred space, a sacred and space. And unintentionally have probably created one. Right. If, the, if you have a specific place that you work at and a specific altar Mm -hmm. where you do your work regularly Mm -hmm. even if you've never cast a circle or intentionally awarded that space Mm -hmm. it's probably acquired a degree of sacredness sacredness. just by the fact of your work there well i think that's that it for this episode i think so we covered pretty much everything i mean we could talk about warding and enlivening gatekeepers and things like that but that's sort of a separate topic that could be a different topic okay we can do that another 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 day Mm -hmm. all right so that's it for this episode, episode number 21 yep. of Three Pagans and a Cat. We thank you all very much for listening. One thing that needs to be said right now is if you live close to Mississippi, please drive <laughs> into the state and download Seriously. one episode. Doesn't please. matter which episode it is. Doesn't matter which one it is. I don't care. He just uh, needs one... that state to not be white anymore. My God, please, somebody go over there and download just T- one. Tint that state. He's driving me crazy. <laughs> Hashtag Tint Mississippi. <laughs> Seriously, he's not even joking. It, it is driving him mad. So please. He brings somebody. it up every time he checks the stats. He, he does. Every single time he checks the stats. No Mississippi. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, I, I'm sorry. I was in a very um, forlorn tone of voice. It was very sad. But I would like to personally say, as Carr, and I'm, I would assume Gwen and Ode would join me in this, is... Thank you guys so much for listening. Yes. Yeah, holy it shit. Absolutely. Been, uh, we've been absolutely blown away by the amount of listenership. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the we support. Are now, by uh, the interaction we get from you guys. Interaction. Mm-hmm. We are now just over 49,100 downloads. She's a crazy. Uh, it's amazing. For 20 episodes, basically. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. yeah, this one hasn't gone up yet. Years. Years. Which isn't, like, these are bananas numbers, you guys. Yeah. Oh, really? Which, you guys we ex- thought we'd... We thought maybe at the end of a year we'd have like a hundred people who listened. Right. <laughs> if we were lucky. Um, so that's, and just so you guys are kind of on the inside of this, that's an average of 2,455 downloads per episode. And that just blows my mind. Yeah. And it because really we does. do two episodes a month, that's 5,456 
downloads a month. And that's all down to you guys. Yeah. I mean, you're listening, you're sharing, you're supporting us, you're talking on the Discord, on the Discord and, and on Facebook. The Facebook, and it's just... Which I finally am- have my computer set up so I can check all these things yeah, again. Yeah, and, and because... Yeah, Odin sorry, I- Silway, on the Discord that it took me a yeah. bit to get back to you, but I didn't have my computer until this morning. Exactly. <laughs> and just so that you know, once we get everything set up, it has taken longer than we anticipated, mm-hmm. but once we get everything set up and we have permanent access to everything <laughs> and we've got furniture to sit on mm-hmm. to do these things i'm gonna start blogging every monday through friday i'm gonna have one a day a one a day a blog up there it may be little but it'll be something right we'll start doing those recording of the yeah we're gonna start recording the previous, the previous blogs so yep. that you can listen to those and um, i'm gonna actually do the transcripts for the episodes because we started i promised to do those and then we started packing yeah right. and then we started yeah. moving and yep. then this. that went on a lot longer than expected so yes, yeah, yeah. And, of course, Ode and I will both be available for Skype readings. Uh, yep. She does an amazing reading of tarot. She's, she's a great tarot reader. That is all I offer, by the she's, way, is tarot she's readings. Great. She's an amazing tarot reader. Gwyn has other services. I just do tarot. <laughs> I will be offering tarot and pendulum and spiritual readings home at home. Office, and office, uh, home cleansings. and business cleansing or clearings as yes. well. Yep. Yeah, if you're uh, having... If you're close. Yeah, if um, you're close. We're both going to be doing readings at Arts and Craft one day a week. Yep. Yep. We are just, we're thrilled for the opportunity, and we honestly could not have done it without you guys. And uh, BTW, because Gwyn doesn't have a day job anymore, and I'm always at home, we're going to be working on that project, yeah, that book, book project book we project. mentioned yes. previously, yep. which so, has been on the back burner this whole time. Yep. Yes. Support us on Patreon. Buy things at the Redbubble. Buy things at the Redbubble. Hang out with us on Facebook and Discord. That's right. We'll be more available there. You can get to all of those things through our website, through either the the main page I think or just through the individual episode and in fact I think that's where we're, we're jumping in on cars yeah deal. I think we are so we need to shut up no no I'm just gonna let you all do it so can, no, <laughs> no, no, no no I'm just no, gonna sit here no you do your thing Wait, nope, where can they nope. where can they find us no nope, I'm not doing it this time you all uh, you pretty much covered it all we ruined it we ruined so, it oh come on car please no not gonna do it Foiled. you could find us at threepagansandacat.com <laughs> The scary thing is that sounded so planned and it's totally not. <laughs> it's not. It's totally not. I mean, you have radio voice on uh-huh. now. <laughs> you can also find us on Facebook at 3PAAC. That's 3PAC. You can also find us on Twitter at 3 underscore pagans, which I got right <laughs> second time in a row. You can find us on Discord. You can find that link on our website. You can find us on Google+. You can find that link on our website. YouTube. You can find us on YouTube when we remember to upload the episodes. (laughs) And I'm not going to read you all the digits that are there, but you know how to search on YouTube because you all are internet savvy. You must be to have found this podcast. (laughs) So we are three pagans and a cat. That's three paths. (laughs) One journey. No cat. Yet. Yet. (laughs) Thank you, Question mark? (laughs) Thank you guys very much. We love you all, and we, we will talk to you again next week. Yeah, yeah yes, yeah. For look, for, oh look my God. forward to the next episode. It's gonna be Sawin. We Samhain. all love this holiday. It's like we're gonna make since it we, awesome. since we're letting you all in kind of the inside. Uh huh. 
Our number one episode to date is Maven. Yeah, yeah you guys rocked Maven, man. Oh my so like, that, absurdly. That absurdly. episode right now is at 3,910 downloads. Everybody loves the fall holidays. I'm telling you, Maven, Samhain, and then of course... It's not even that. It's our whole, the Wheel of the Year series is by far... Yeah, by far, 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 far the most But we've talked about this, mm-hmm. and... Next year, we're going to do a Wheel of the Year series again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 2.0. But more in depth. Because we're all essentially learning as we go on mm-hmm. this on this process. We have not always had the time or the knowledge to get into the, the nittier, grittier stuff on these holidays. We've done a lot of debunking, and we've talked about sort of like the general gist of the mm-hmm. holiday and given you guys some suggestions and correspondences and stuff. But there are ways to sort of crack these holidays open into more, into deeper mysteries, as yeah. it were. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, so next year, find that. next year we're going to try some deeper mysteries of the yeah. wheel. Yes, but now we've just, fin- we've like kept talking over our ending. <laughs> that's okay. That's right, that's right. It so, matter. Our <laughs> ending always sucks. That's true. That's it's true. very true. The beginning's fine, the ending always sucks. It's, it's well, I wouldn't say it sucks. I'm it just, just sort of peters out. It just kind of peters out. Because we don't, you know, really Plan know it. how to end it. Okay. Plan it. I do All these right. very formal intros and then download in Mississippi. Download in Mississippi. Download in Mississippi. Download in Mississippi. You've been listening to Three Pagans and a Cat. Find out more information at www.threepagansandacat.com.